Today's reading is from Genesis, chapter 45, verses 3 to 11, and verse 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept among them, and after that, his brothers talked with him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. The psalm today is Psalm 37, verses 1 through 10. And uh, it's either on page 633 of the prayer book or on the screen. Uh, I'll read to the asterisk if you'll respond. Do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Do not be jealous of those who do wrong. For they shall soon wither like the grass. And like the green grass fade away. Put your trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on their righteousness. Take delight in the Lord. And he shall give you your heart's desire. Commit your way to the Lord and put your trust in him. And he will bring he will make your righteousness as clear as the light. And your just dealing has noonday. Be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret yourself over the one who prospers. The one who succeeds in evil scheme. Refrain from anger. Leave rage alone. Do not fret yourself. It leads only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait until more shall possess the land. The world is near you, deeper than you. The world has known you from the start. The world made you. Yeah, I'll save you. The world is in. 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure that you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And now I understand why you turned the mic off, Karen, because Jeanette's doing the prayers from the front there. So, ah. Um, so in this passage in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus, on the one hand, is talking about a love or compassion that is not based on reciprocity. You know, you, you give and then you get something in return. And, but then, at the end of this section, he takes it back and says, oh, wait, if you, you know, do this, then you'll get that. So, um, welcome to the land of confusion. Uh, you're in good company, and, um, but we're going to go with it anyway. And that passage, I just want to say, from the uh, book of Genesis that Karen shared with us, um, you've got to ask yourself, or at least I ask myself, what kind of an attitude is Joseph bringing to this conversation that he's having with his brothers, who, by the way, are the ones that threw him in the pit to either die or be enslaved? Yeah, those brothers. And, and the question is, what's his attitude right now? Is he, is he being magnanimous since, as the, the writer tells us, he is now the ruler of all Egypt? Uh, or is he being um, that, uh, that whiny brat that he was when he was younger, um, which was one of the reasons he got thrown in the pit in the first place? You got to ask yourself that question. And, and you go either way. And it may depend on how much of Freddy's coffee you have coursing through your veins. So there's that. Um, so Jesus says... Back to the passage in the Gospel of Luke. And by the way, this is, the, this is not the Sermon on the Mount. This is not to be confused with the one in Matthew. This is the Sermon on the Plain uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus comes right out and says, 
love your enemies. And in the context of this passage, who that refers to are um, those who hate you, who curse you, and abuse you. Is that giving anybody pause? Yeah. Good. Again, you're, you're in good company. So, um, Friday evening, Marietta and I were at a rotary function uh, up at the college, and we were in conversation prior to the dinner with a couple of the women. Um, and uh, somehow or other, I don't know how, the conversation turned to how our temperaments uh, determine how we move through the world and how we interact with people. And one of the women uh, was shocked to discover that I am an off-the-charts introvert. I mean, she could not get over, because she's only ever seen me in public, uh, or, you know, like this on Sundays when I'm on. And... Um, she could not get over the idea that this guy, who is a priest of the Episcopal Church here in Carson City, uh, that, his, that my go-to setting is not people. She just could not fathom that. She kept you know, looking around, looking for somebody to deny it, say, oh no, he's, he's not an introvert. Can't be. So... In her confusion, she finally sort of caught herself, and she looked at Marietta, and she looked at me, and she said, well, you love God, and God loves people, so there. And two thoughts came to mind. One was, and I said to her, you know what, that'll preach, and two is, I can totally live with that. Um, it gives me that one degree separation uh, to be the introvert that I was, you know, um, designed to be by uh, the Almighty. And so um, we had a good laugh about that, and I think she's still trying to get over the idea that I'm an introvert. So here we are with Jesus in the Sermon on the Plain, and he says to love your enemies. Now, my question to you today is, who is your enemy? And let me rephrase that question. Who is your worst enemy? Say it a little louder, Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I look in the mirror in the mornings, I am looking at the enemy right off the bat. I mean, my head is going to run amok. Most days creates, Freddie and I were talking between the services, uh, most of us, I think all of us, create storylines, yeah? And, and one of the biggest challenges of the pandemic is that we didn't have each other to check our storylines, and so our storylines during the pandemic became reality, which is really a scary thing. Um, and it took a lot of us down the rabbit hole for, in lots of uh, different ways. And so part of the gift of being in community, being real people in a real room, is that I can check my storyline against your storyline, and somewhere in the middle is reality. 
And so here we are, once again experiencing the gift of community that really, even on Zoom, I think we lost that. There was really no way for us to, to check our heads in that regard. So it brought me back to a moment years and years ago newly ordained in the Diocese of Los Angeles, and we, the bishop took us on a clergy conference where uh, he had invited this amazing professor from Union Theological Seminary, a woman named Minka Sprague, and she was doing um, a whole uh, long weekend with us um, how to sort of navigate uh, the world and be in conversation with people, talking about the scriptures or the church or whatever. And uh, one of the first things she did with us, now this is, this is the priest, these are the priests of the Diocese of Los Angeles. There must have been, I don't know, two, three hundred of us in the room. And she said, I have a little exercise for you folks to try. She said, every morning I want you to wake up and go stand in front of the mirror and gently hold your face and say, good morning, image of God. There wasn't a priest in that room that didn't choke on that exercise because the next morning we're all heading for the, the dining hall and everybody's looking over their shoulders. Did you do it? I'm not telling. Did you do it? I'm not telling. I mean, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done at that point in my life. And so, and it directly addresses this, it, well... I was going to say this invitation that Jesus issues. Let's be clear. This is more than an invitation. The bottom line, at least according to the Gospel of Luke, is if you and I are going to claim to be followers and friends of Jesus, this is how we're going to live, to love our enemies. And the bottom line is it starts right here. It starts at home. And then we sort of move on from there and imagine all the, uh, the other folks that, you know, we come in contact with and including uh, not just as individuals, but communities, nation, world, you know, who's the enemy, whoever the enemy is, you and I get to love them. And I, I always like the distinction that um, we, we get to love them, that doesn't mean we have to like them. I, it helps. I mean, that's, that's kind of like acceptance. Acceptance does not hinge on my approval, <laughs> right? So, um, there we are. So, I've been, I've, I gotta come clean with the Reverend Jody. Uh, Jody's been doing... Uh, the book study with the presiding bishop's book, Love is the Way. I cheated and finished it yesterday. Uh, and and if, you haven't, if you haven't read it, read this book. Because it is amazing. And he is amazing. And there's a whole section where he tells the story of being invited to um, the, um, uh, the Dakota Sioux... Um, reservation for the pipeline issue back in 2015, knowing nothing about what was going on. 
And as he's, as this, his story is unfolding, my story began to unfold as well. And, and it took me back to uh, the year 2004 and 2005 when I had my extended sabbatical, um, a gift of the Lilly Foundation. Uh, and I was gone for five and a half, six months and spent three months of those six on the islands of New Zealand, which was uh, amazing. It's something I'd wanted to do since I was a kid. And, and as a kid, it was probably just to get away from my parents. My motivation had changed a little bit um, by 2004, and so there I was. And one of the months, I got to live with a Maori tribe which was such an eye-opener. And uh, I, I was stunned by their poverty on the one hand and absolutely amazed at their generosity and hospitality on the other hand, all rolled into one. And these are people, the Maori of New Zealand, uh, through great struggle and strife, uh, have found their voice, so much so uh, that they have their own uh, Anglican bishop uh, in, the, in the, Ang the, the equivalent of the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church of New Zealand. They have their own Maori bishop. They have their own structure. And, and it's very, it takes a lot of work to hold all this together, but they've managed to figure it out with the white population of New Zealand. And, and they are holding their own. And they've done the same with the government, again, through great struggle and strife. And I remember coming home uh, after those months away and looking around uh, the U.S. and thinking to myself, you know, our, our native folks, they just, they just haven't found their voice, have they? And too bad on them. And, and my attitude was to put that on, on our native brothers and sisters that it was somehow their responsibility and their responsibility alone. And as I'm reading the presiding bishop's book, here, what's triggering is, wait a minute, you, you can't just crawl out from under 400 years of genocide and cultural assimilation and being shoved into the most desolate corners of landscape on this continent. You don't just bounce back from that. And so this is, this is a confession that I've carried this attitude all these years. And as I awakened to it through the reading of the presiding bishop's book, again, the contrition, I'm ashamed of that, and the amendment of life, which is, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not just going to put it uh, on oppressed people as if it's their responsibility to figure everything out. I mean, you and I as a culture are complicit in all this. And I have no answers. I have no clarity when it comes to how we move forward. All I know is I got to check my attitude <laughs> and be, be clear about what's really going on. And, and the bottom line is that you and I get to tell the truth. Uh, and that loving the enemy, loving our neighbors starts with accepting the truth about, you know, who we are and, and where we come from.
So, as I mentioned a minute ago, I cheated and finished the book. I couldn't put it down. How many of you folks are reading the Presiding Bishop's book? Okay, everyone else, get a copy of it, please, and read it. I, you will not regret it. Um, so, in another chapter, he's describing uh, a time, it's 2016, I believe, and he's gathering with uh, faith communities from all over the United States uh, to march on Washington and on the White House. I can't even remember what the issue is. And one of the things that, that he says to the gathering before they move is that he wanted to be clear about his own motivation. And what he said was, this is not a protest. This is a protection. We're looking to protect our brothers and sisters in, you know, in, in the world and in our, in our nation. And so uh, this is a protection action, not a... Pro and I thought, wow, that's a whole, you know, different way of understanding, you know, how to, how to gain one's voice. And so he writes this little piece that he shares with the, this group of thousands that, that is about to descend on our nation's capital, and he says this. We are committed to following the way of Jesus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. That's why we're here. Love the neighbor you like and love the neighbor you don't like. Love the neighbor you agree with and love the neighbor you disagree with. Love your Democrat neighbor. Love your Republican neighbor. Love your independent neighbor. And I'd, I'd like to add, love your Presbyterian neighbor. Just, I just wanted to slip that one in there. You know, just to represent. And then he goes on. Love your black neighbor. Your white neighbor. Love your Asian neighbor. Your Latino neighbor. And your indigenous neighbor. Love your South American neighbor. Love your LGBTQ neighbor. Love your Jewish neighbor. Love your Muslim neighbor. Love, 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 love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. And all I got to add to that is, any questions? I mean, our presiding bishop is, is engaging the gospel at the deepest level that it goes. Uh, and it's all about love, compassion, mercy, uh, action that is life-giving rather than death-dealing. I mean, on and on it goes. And so we are being well-led. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, when Marietta and I are in Baltimore this summer at General Convention, if, if our paths cross, I may need to make an amends to him. <laughs> and I will. Um, because he is taking us into the depths of the gospel tradition. And so with that kind of leadership, is it easy? Mm-mm, no way. But we can't go wrong with that. We cannot go wrong. So, I love God, and God loves people, so there. Take a moment. Take a couple of nice deep breaths. 
So I got no fancy dismissal for you like Deacon Veronica does all the time. So here it is, folks. Let us bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia.